Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And joining us this week, we have the one and only Kelly Shibari. She is an award-winning porn performer, plus-size model, and body positivity and female empowerment activist. She entered the adult film industry in 2007 after she decided to just send photos over to the score group. And they were like, yeah. In June 2014, she became the first plus-size model to appear on the cover of Penthouse Foreign Magazine and in Penthouse Proper. She is also the writer, co-director, and host of Guide to Wicked Sex Plus Size, which is the only plus-size sex ed movie in the entire world. She's also the only plus-size person to have their own fleshlight. And in case you thought she wasn't accomplished enough, she's also the coordinator of the adult track at Mensa, which if you didn't know what Mensa is, it's basically a group for geniuses. So you're like you. the perfect guest that we could <laughs> ask for. Yeah, you're sluts and scholars. Thank you so much for being here. When you guys had said, hey, <laughs> we exist because you were, you know, I saw you on Twitter. I was like, oh, well, that if that isn't perfect. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Well, we're so happy to have you here. So uh, the first thing that I want our guests to know. So you are a BBW perf- yes. porn performer. What does that mean? So BBW is short for Big Beautiful Woman, uh, which means any plus size you know, person uh, specifically for women. The male version is BHM. I did not know that. What does big, that mean? Big Handsome Man. Ah. <laughs> Which is actually my personal preference. So it's kind of awesome that I I kind of throw that around and people are like, "What is that?" I'm always curious about people in different, um, I guess, in different categories. Do you find it nice and exciting that there's a place to have like a fet- quote unquote fetish or category for a type of body, or does that bother you in any way? I I think that porn's really labeling. It's a labeling industry, yeah. you know, and that's a lot to do with the consumer aspect of how to of, search for it. Yeah. yeah how to search for it. You know, it really just boils down to keyword searches, you know, for, for, for the current time for back when, you know, when it was all VHS and, you know, back room 18 and over velvet curtains. Rooms. Yes, exactly. There's still a few of those. Which yeah. Are really fun. <laughs> There's a bunch of those still in Vegas, I think. Um, but those Odyssey video down the block. I oh, love. really? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> down the block. Um, but you know, a lot of it is how can you consume exactly what you want mm-hmm. on a particular day for your fantasy? You know, today might be BBW, tomorrow might be Asian, the next day might be petite. You know, the thing about porn is that it's kind of meant not as a replacement for reality, but as a fantasy enhancement. So mm-hmm. if you can't find exactly what you're looking for and the producers don't put out content that is catered to that specific need, people are going to have a hard time finding your stuff. And when there's so much content out there already, you have to do everything you can to like at least be visible. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just get lost. And you, you can't do that anymore. You can't just be like, oh, I'll just put it up on a shelf in a store and eventually somebody might rent it or buy it. Like now it's all, you know, there's so many more companies. Branding and marketing and yeah. what is your niche and how do you find your consumers and right. kind of any other sort of social media yeah. figuring out of how to create your brand. Yeah. And especially with porn, I mean... Sorry you know, to interrupt. Not- so if you are listening and you're hearing this weird sound in the background, it could either be a whale, um, some sort of drilling things, some really intense, weird sex happening, maybe a really powerful vacuum. Maybe a very specific kind of one note music. <laughs> kind of anything. Yeah. Well, we will just keep on going because yeah. I don't know. I always like to tell people this, but whether you're having sex or talking about sex, obviously 
real life happens. And yeah. so if there's like a weird sound that comes in or some sort of distraction, yeah. like you recognize it and then you just, you know, yeah, I think get back perfect, to what you were doing. Perfect is boring, you know? So you might as well have something that has a little bit of reality exactly. in there. If today, if that's people who decided to go drilling outside, then that's what they're doing. <laughs> you okay, so when you decided, so you decided in 2007, because mm-hmm. you were working in Hollywood in yeah. like mainstream media doing production design and yes. art directing. And then there was the writer's strike in 2007. And you were like, I'm just going to send pictures of myself to well, a porn producer. <laughs> like, how does that work? Was it that random? Yeah, that, that segue makes it so quick. <laughs> um, no, so I, I, you know, right out of college, I was a roadie for a while. And then I moved to L.A. because my parents retired from Japan and moved to Vegas. And I wanted to move from New York out this way. So um, a lot of me ending up on the West Coast is just because that's where my parents ended up. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to hang out. Because you grew up in Japan. Right. And, right. and, you know, a 14-hour flight that's really expensive is something that you can't do over and over I when you're a college it. kid. So parents when friends. they were like... Yeah, I moved to, we're moving to Vegas. I was like, okay, I'm moving to Vegas. I'll just take my roadie union card and just, you know, start working in Vegas. And Vegas at the end, so it was 98, 99, something like that, is turn of very different. Very, very <laughs> different from how it is now. Um, the Bellagio had just been built. The Venetian was still being built. It was still kind of, you know, an older crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after a couple of months, I was like, I can't, I got to move back. And a friend of mine was like, we'll move out to LA. And if you don't like LA after a month, then you can go back to New York. And I ended up staying for like, you know, 15, 20 years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had a bunch of writer strikes before. So writer strikes in Hollywood. We just had one here. Like we almost just almost, had one here. Yeah, close call. Um, and I think everybody remembers what happened in 2007 because oh, it's yeah. never been that bad. We always kind of made a joke and said, well, you know, that's the culling, you know, mm-hmm. of, like the people that can't hack it during a, a, a short writer's strike. They should just go back home. And so that's what kind of what happened. Like every time there's a writer's strike, you know, some of the smaller, lower budget production companies would fold. Right. People would go back home. Um, wow. But people in 2000, go into porn. Well, in 2007, <laughs> what happened was it wasn't just the writers. It was. Uh, the Teamsters, the crew, the actors, everybody got involved. It was like mm-hmm. a very consolidated effort. Um, and we can actually thank that for reality TV. Because I mean, no writers. Because you have no not, writers. And everything is non-union in exactly. reality TV. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So thanks, writers. Stats. I didn't actually ever make that connection, but That's, thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I hate reality TV, but I love it at the same <laughs> oh, time. Oh, Nicoletta well, and, now, and I watched The Bachelorette together. And, well, and this, this season, I, ha- I haven't watched it in years, and this season seems to be more interesting because they have, have their first African-American Oh, it's great. So. We have a queer feminist Bachelor watching group. You're welcome to join oh, us whenever. Cool. That's hilarious. <laughs> we like to think we perform deconstructions, but we just get sucked in. That's amazing. <laughs> and drink wine. <laughs> um. So we were all sitting around and going, okay, well, we don't want to cross the picket line. We're in the union. And a friend of mine who is a, both a union and non-union weapons wrangler. So he's the guy that handles all the fake guns and the weapons on set. And he That's knows, awesome. Oh, yeah. Very cool. He and his girlfriend piped up and they said, you know, we've been doing some amateur home video stuff for Playboy TV on the side. And, we've been, and they've been together for like decades. And, and well, did they keep it a secret or are they just like? Came no, they, I just didn't know, but uh-huh. they, every, all their friends knew because all their friends happened to be people like Evan Stone and Randy Spears and Ron Jeremy and all these like male performers mm-hmm. that would come over 
Were you someone before that who found yourself interested in, in sexuality and sexual expression or was this sort of like a new? I've always been slutty. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I started masturbating when I was nine. Mm. Um, I lost my That's late for this week, yeah, to be started. honest. <laughs> Our very first episode is about masturbation. That's amazing. Um, I'm sure that I pro- the first time I recognized, like I consciously mm. went and bought um, a porn book. And I say book because it's a graphic novel because it's Japan. So everything's anime. Oh. So my first masturbatory experience was buying that I remember was buying this hardcover graphic novel that was like, you know, I mean, when you're nine, it's, the book's it's like, like this yeah. big, but it's probably like this big now. Um, that was about a girl who had behaved badly and got sent to a nunnery and the nunneries were doms. Ooh. <laughs> so, oh, shit. So my first masturbatory experience that I remember is based on kink. Oh, my. And you were nine. I was nine. But and this was you, supposed to be like a kid's book or it was. Oh, no. It's for oh, 18 okay, and okay. over. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking like the regular, you know, school, you pick it? like punishing experience. Like, J- oh, that's hot. Japan's interesting because if you act uh, politely and you act like an adult or what, you know, then they kind of treat you like an adult when you're in. And there was a bookstore across the street from my godparents' house, which was a pharmacy. And so I'd go there all the time and go in the basement. And there's an, there's an adult section, mm-hmm. but it's not like here where it says 18 and over or 21 and over. The... The age of adulthood in Japan is 20, but there's no real carding. It's an honor system. Mm -hmm. And so I went there and I'm sure that they probably assumed that I was buying it for somebody else. Like Mm -hmm. somebody dared me to, you know, (laughs) yeah, send the kid across the street, buy some porn. That's so, but you just, how do you remember making that decision? I'm going to go buy this dirty book. And how did you pick which one? I'm so curious. I looked through. Because my first erotic I just found in my mother's room. I didn't pick it. So after that is when I found like my dad's stash of pulp novels mm. you know again you know girls behaving badly and being punished in some some sort of morality tale at the very very end but I'm noticing a theme here Catherine. but until, <laughs> but until right <laughs> but until then until she learns her lesson and goes back to her you know conservative ways like she does every dirty thing under the pla- under the sun and so my dad had all these books and so I was reading those mm-hmm. but the first book I think I probably just picked it because it was pretty so I think that you know I've always been sexually motivated. I don't know if motivated is the right word when you're nine, but um, I've always been sexually curious, curious and open and wanted to explore my body. And living in Japan, you know, we're a pervy country. (laughs) I went recently and there was this awesome seven story sex shop, but going Mm -hmm. in, it was very um, male oriented. Like there weren't any other women in that area or in that area of town or in the sex shop and we, you know, everything is blurred out in a lot of the porn. And so it's, it's interesting because there's all this like, cool creative sex stuff going on but it's sort of like the underbelly it seems like so uh japan on the surface is extremely misogynistic uh just because you know kind of historical hierarchy of men in power and that kind of thing and even linguistically with different honorifics yeah so um there's not a lot of stuff that's catered to women that's adult entertainment Mm -hmm. uh but there has been like a rising increase of host clubs in Japan, where what's a host club? So, so hostess clubs. Um, I know, and I know oh, we're jumping all over the place, fine. but we'll we'll bring it back. You can um, follow along, listener. <laughs> hostess. Well, and this is what happens with like super bright people. I think is we we think eighteen things at one time. Definitely. Um, with hostess clubs, those have been around forever. 
And hostess clubs are basically clubs where you go in and you have to buy bottle service and you, a girl comes with the bottle service and basically is your companion. It's basically a modern age geisha. So there's mm-hmm. no sex, but and I'm sure there's sex on the side, but uh, legitimately they're just courtesans. So they basically uh, serve you snacks, pour your drinks, make light banter, giggle at your jokes, tell you oh, that you're hot. You know, I want to do this job. You know, and help boost your ego, and then you get to go home. But before you do, you have to pay like five hundred dollars in bottle fees. I love it. So there's been an insurgence of host clubs, which are the male equivalent. Mm. So women can go and have cute boys who look like they're in a like a you know a J-pop band with the little spiky hair yes. it's all silver you know and they're oh and they act all nonchalant but they're like oh yeah you're cute and that's the validation they need oh my god i fucking love <laughs> that they have that here in the states you do can they really? hire um i forgot what the name of the company is but you can hire like a person to come do whatever you want that's not sex right but whether it's like having them just dress up in like a little speedo or a tux and just stand by the pool and like sunscreen you up or bring you drinks massage you (laughs) oh Um, i love we hired them for a friend's birthday and it was oh that's cool what'd you have them do um, they just like hung out and made sure that the, um, the birthday girl always had like drinks, would massage her, you know, have her sit on his lap, um, play games with her just and make her feel, wow. feel good oh and God, just I be like, oh, you should get those guys on the show. Yeah, <laughs> we should. See, I but, would love to talk to them about right? that. Um, so yes. sexually motivated person. Yes. Oh, so, uh, so we were having this conversation with, with my weapons guy and his, and his girlfriend, um, and, I, and they said, oh, well, you should try porn, too. You know, we've been doing this amateur stuff. We have swingers parties at our place. Um, you should try porn. And my immediate reaction, which is probably what most of America thought at the time, mm-hmm. uh, which is there's no fat girls in porn. What are you talking about? And that was l- literally my response. And what huh. he said back is, no, it's this niche. There is a huge following. There are definite fans. There are studios that make this content. Um, and I said, okay, well, well, let me take a look at the content because, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be bullied <laughs> and I don't want to be made fun of. And some companies do that. Right. So I watched the, the, the score group uh-huh. and their content and their content's really pretty. And do you remember really, what you watched? I want to watch it. I think I just watched like photos and like screen grabs okay. and stuff like that. Um, cause this is 2007. Mm-hmm. So you saw some people with similar bodies and builds yeah but not but also the content of the films were like the descriptions of the it wasn't scene. necessarily like hyper fetishizing it and wasn't like, like you know check out this fat girl riding on you know waves of blubber you know and just and nothing derogatory this was a lot more tasteful than what i thought plus size porn would be well even just the acronym bbw right. is like not denigrating at all no big but, beautiful woman right yeah what it stands for but it's become synonymous with porn i think in in 2007 it was much a little bit more widespread and it's really become something that's like just a porn definition interesting these days interesting um, like you don't see mainstream media saying bbw i feel like they should bbw but. ashley graham <laughs> you know, is, they is, say it, plus size model ashley graham yeah and that has to do with like the compartmentalizing of like porn and mainstream yeah. definitely it's oh like, yeah totally you can't mix vocabulary for some yeah and 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 you know the whole continuation of like labels in the porn industry is not only do you just have, I mean, the blanket is the blanket term is fat, is plus size or fat. Right. Um, but then within it, you've got like chubby and thick, you've got BBW and you have SSBBW. What's SSBBW? Supersize. Oh yeah. So, uh, 
I'm not a supersized performer, but at the time I wasn't like a curvy, thick performer. So I fit kind of into plus size, like BBW. And I, at the time, I guess I was the only Japanese one. Oh, so you're super special hot commodity. So I sent my photos in and they got back to me right away. And they're like, yep, when can you come out? We'll take you for four, for three days. Four Amazing. Days. And you days. had never filmed yourself having sex. <laughs> She's thinking. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Wow. Not getting paid or officially. <laughs> yeah, this is way before iPhones. <laughs> well, so they're like, we'll fly you out for three days of shooting. Yeah. And you were like, And we'll yep. pay you $1,500 a day. A day. A day. And this Amazing. is mid-strike when nobody's this working. This is mid-strike. Oh, my God. Like, now you say $1,500 a day, and people are like, no, that's my scene rate. You know, although scene rates... What's the difference between scene rate and day rate? Do you often do Day rate scenes? is you do multiple scenes. Oh. So they have you all day. How is scene defined? Scene is one scene beginning to end. So if so that I, would be, like, turned into one, quote-unquote, film that you'd be watching, necessarily. Well, what how the score group works is because, and I don't know about how they work now, but... Um, at the time, they would have you fly in like once and spent, like shoot as much content as they could of you during those three days, and then they send you back, and then they would slowly release it, release the content. Oh like, my god! So for like, over the course of like a year or two. How many scenes did you do in those three days? I think six. How was it? I think two two scenes a day, three days. Oh my gosh! Can you walk us through the first time you did? Like, were you like, this is the first time, or was yeah, it just so, like whatever? <laughs> the first time was actually really cool. And I almost wish that other performers would go through the same experience. Mm -hmm. So the first film I did was an interactive film. Uh, but we, but they shot the entire film in a day. Wow. And so all the other girls were there for the film. And these days, you know, unless you're on a feature film with other people that you're interacting with on camera, the whole cast doesn't show up on, this, on the same day every mm -hmm. day. So that was kind of interesting because I could see other plus size models hanging out on the couch. And because it was an interactive film, it was kind of, you know, those late night. What does night, that mean, interactive film? Um, you know, those late night infomercials about calling you on the 1-900 number or yeah. the 976 number? Definitely. Like, I'm surprised that those ads still exist, but they're still out there. Um, but it's usually like a bunch of girls on the couch and you get to pick the girl, right? That's kind of like the ad thing. Yeah. Um, the ad version is... Um, the ad version of this is like you'll have like four or five girls like in an ad and you're like, oh, I don't really. That's not my type, but she's my type. Oh, yeah. Let me call. Right. So an interactive film, which. Is a great concept, but I don't think they ever did another one <laughs> um, is the camera. It's all POV camera walks into a room, walks out into like the living room, sees four or five girls hanging out. Then the screen stops. and You have to choose one. And so the, once you choose, then the camera goes to the one girl and you have this little conversation and then you two leave the room together. Then you get to pick what sex act you want to do with oh them. Oh my gosh. So, Super cool. Yeah. So it's like choose your own adventure. It's kind totally. of like VR before VR. Totally. And so you, you say, I want to do doggy. And then it'll click over to the scene of, it's a POV scene of you being done in doggy. Whoa. Super okay, cool. So, yeah. this, so this was your first shoot. That was my first shoot. And so, like, what, what, like, what'd you do? Like, how did it? So the nice how thing is. How was your is, brain transpiring <laughs> and your body trans? Like, I just want to know the deets. You know, I've always been sexually active. Uh, probably before I was legally allowed to. And. We support. Girl. <laughs> um, and so I don't, I've never really been that uncomfortable being naked. 
even even when you're not like what society considers you like the perfect build. Mm. That's never been an issue for some reason. I think I was just raised. I mean, I was bullied as a kid, but my my home setup was was okay. It was very supportive. And then when I moved from Japan to the States, I realized I wasn't the biggest girl in the room in the States, but I was kind of in Japan. Mm-hmm. So like the bullying completely stopped overnight. It was weird. Mm. Like I moved, I got on a plane, <laughs> flew to the States, and then there was nothing. All the bullying was gone, you know? Mm-hmm. But were you, and then you were like, oh yeah, my body's fine. Done. Right. Happy yeah. to be naked so, all the time. Um because I've I don't I didn't have a lot of self body shame when I was an adult, I think it made it easier to do the scene and also helped to have four other girls in the room who were also doing scenes. Mm-hmm. And so because I wasn't the first one, I kind of got to watch them do it, which you rarely oh, get to do. Oh yeah, yeah. To like see how they say how they're what doing they're it. comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with, things yeah. like that. And I've also watched so much porn <laughs> before you. Oh it, God, yeah. Do you still I mean, enjoy I'm watching it after? Mentally like a 14-year-old boy, so. Love it. <laughs> I just want boobs. <laughs> you still like watching it, though, even uh, yeah. after all this? Yeah. I, it's kind of interesting because for a while I couldn't. And so for a while I kind of reverted back into hentai mm. because I didn't recognize anybody on camera. Because otherwise you were watching people that you'd worked yeah. with or had seen. It yeah. kind of took away the, from the fantasy. And and there's a, a, a very strong aspect of porn that is not real. Mm-hmm. And so... Once you once once you see the like, real, yeah. Once you've seen a magic trick, you kind of know what it took to get there, and then mm. and then it's gone. But because I haven't been performing in a couple of years, there's now porn with people I don't know. Yay! So I they just watch. turned eighteen. <laughs> yeah. So well, and also <laughs> every year there's new people turning eighteen. <laughs> and then there's also <laughs> male performers that that are, I haven't worked with that are nice to watch and. You know, so yes, the regular porn watching masturbation sessions are back. <laughs> awesome. So you get in, you do your first three days of shoots and you become basically a sensation. Well, I, I, I don't know, because once those three shoots were done, uh, three days were done, they put me on a plane and I went home and I was like, OK, what now? Um, Did they give you a heads up when it was going to get released? Like, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you were just like waiting for this like kind yeah. of bomb to drop. Yeah. And uh you know, this is way before social media, so I think we had, I think I had a MySpace page. That's probably oh, about it. Oh, we love MySpace. <laughs> and there's as like a, message as a, boards. A personal MySpace or, a, or like your point? I had a MySpace. Kelly. I had a Kelly MySpace. And, um, and because there was no Twitter, there was no real like Facebook, you know, that came like a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. So promotions were weird. There was like plus size, there were plus size message boards and forums, which still exist. GeoCities. Kind of like that. Angel fire. Yeah, totally. And and so there's a bunch of like, you know, plus size enthusiasts and they call themselves FAs because they're fat admirers. Oh. There's acronyms for everything. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> FAs. Yeah. I like that. And so there are FA conventions that happen, but that's more, that's less porny and more mainstream. Interesting. Like plus size dating, that kind of thing. Like but, get togethers, conventions. But you did become a very successful, like you won a million awards. You were saying, <laughs> I remember like you won every award pretty, possible except for AVN, one. Except much. for AVN, but I've yeah. won everything else. So, yeah. <laughs> so like. I'm kind of mad at AVN. Why didn't they get yeah, on the, the bus? Yeah, what the fuck is up, AVN? Oh, no, the, no, no, look. I mean, there are, there are plus size performers that came before me. Yeah. Um, my focus wasn't always plus size. My focus, like when I would do interviews, people were like, oh, you're a fat activist. And I'm like, no. 
I mean, there are plus size performers that are much better at that than me. There's plus size performers who have a much more um, public forum about fat acceptance. Mm. But for me, it was more about I'm not a plus size. I'm not a plus size porn. How do, it how sounds do I like phrase you were it? someone who was a performer who happened to be plus size. That's mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So I'm not a fat person who does porn. I'm a porn performer who happens to be plus size. So yeah. I still would do porn and probably is very similar kind of porn to what I do now, regardless of whether I lost 100 pounds or not. Hmm. And the interesting thing is I've been saying that for a while. It's almost like, um, you know, jinxing yourself <laughs> because I've lost a bunch of weight over the past year. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't technically qualify in a lot of the BBW categories that I would apply like for now. If that makes sense. Interesting. So how did you find people responding around you after this career change? Um, in, into porn? Um, yeah. yeah, responding to your like desire to do porn, to be in you porn. Know, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because of the Japanese thing, but I asked my parents first. Oh, um, I love that. <laughs> what did they say? Um, well, they actually responded exactly how I thought they would, which is, you're 34, because at the time I was, and you don't have any kids. You're not married. You're not beholden to anyone. If you're going to do something, you might as well do it now. Check it off your bucket list. Ah, <gasps> oh, yeah. so, so good. sort of supportive in yeah. like a, you know, and that was, you're that not was married kind of way. If she had said no, would you have not done it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, good daughter. <laughs> I, I try. Until or at least you get I, sent to it. You just want to get sent to the nunnery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just do that. I'll just do stuff privately rather than on camera. But so that was my mom. My dad was really quiet because I think, you know, dads don't want that. But I grew up with my dad having, you know, he had a key to a Playboy, one of the Playboy clubs like in Chicago or Detroit. Whoa. He had like a, an ongoing magazine subscription he's been to events i think he went to i guess it's different if it's your daughter though exactly something you like right but but he also understands that like i grew up with all these naked women posters you know like because it's also generational so in the 70s asian airline companies would do these posters and calendars but and the women would be topless these gorgeous Asian women who are, you know, not so like Nippon Airlines. Yeah, that seems nipples. to go against like <laughs> yeah, Nippon Airlines. Airlines culture. Airlines. I feel like, but there would be something tastefully decorated in front of their crotch, Ooh, right? So flowers, it's very, like a flower. I was thinking well, of a flower. Yeah, like a potted plant or something. A, a nice plant. succulent or two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but you know, when you grow up around that, and I, I think both my parents were like, "Look, you know, if you were nineteen, we probably would have said no." But you're 34. You're not depending on us for a roof over your head or mm-hmm. money in your pocket. I mean, we kind of kicked you out of the nest. As long as you promise not to come back and, and ask us for money, we're good. And, and I think in, in a weird way, that was the most adult reaction that I could have asked for. So when you started doing porn, I... Uh, so, oh, the feedback. Yeah. So people aside... So your parents had a rad reaction. But what about other family or friends or even strangers uh, judging you for this public sexual practice, quote unquote. I don't know if it's because I'm older. So my my I don't give a fuck is pretty high. <laughs> you know, yes. my my feeling is if you're not contributing to my ability to pay my bills, then your opinion doesn't really matter. And that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. That's you know, and, and there's a lot of drama and infighting even within the industry. Mm-hmm. And even when that and when that happens, that's always been my reaction. It's like, look, if you're going to be upset about it, 
you could either, there's only two ways to fix it. Either do it yourself or shut up. <laughs> well, what I find really interesting is that in a lot of the pieces that we've read about you or seen about you, they often include your IQ and things yeah. about your intelligence. Is that your doing or do you feel like this so is just so weird like, for oh, people to someone see? someone who does sex work is, is smart. also smart. Yeah. Um, Fun fact. The the interesting thing is I've I've always been a brainy nerd, you know, I, I books over movies, you know, I'm it, it's I'm I'm just genuinely curious about everything in the world mm-hmm. and how things work and what makes people tick and you know, I love documentaries and um I, th- I don't think that just because you're doing things naked that you can't have a couple of brain cells, <laughs> you know? Um, Isn't that weird, though, how we think that for some reason, like, other. taking clothes off is taking brain is It means that, yeah. like, you what don't do you have think the brain that's about? Like, you must, I don't know. I feel like people say, oh, well, you must be not smart if you're taking this risk to, yeah. like, do this to your own life or well, um, the way people view you or something like that. Like, you must not care. There's a segment of this country that is extremely Christian and you're never going to be able to sway them. Right. They've been taught stuff since they were kids generationally. Right. Mm-hmm, You've lived a certain life following a specific book that is fairly fictional, but is a code, their version of a code of ethics. And, and you're talking about the Bible. I'm assuming. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm never going to win them over. So their judgment to me is anti-Christian, yeah, but, but, they're still fucking, but that's on like, them masturbating to you which is hilarious. when that's the thing is that yeah i mean if you're gonna like that like, they're like no you're a bad person but let me <laughs> but just think about how hot you are but isn't that more about them yeah and their own personal shame yeah, yeah right absolutely yeah so i mean i've gotten my fair share of like pub- public commentary when i do something big that you know of uh oh i'd never jerk off to you i'm like good good i'm so glad that you know exactly what you like so you can tell me that you prefer not to jerk off to me Go find that. It exists. It's right. out there. There's, yeah. a, there's a bazillion people out there who have no idea what turns them on. At least you know. So good for you. And they really can't respond to that. Oh, my God. That is such a good <laughs> yeah, response. What can, what can you say? You can't. Because you're thinking. Because I'm you're sure actually, most people are looking for like an argument yeah. or a dialogue. And you're like, great. Yeah. How yeah, you, you for knowing what, you're what you fantastic. like. What is it that you like? And then they don't respond and they disappear. Because they don't want to tell you what it is that they really like. It sounds like <laughs> you've almost received more... I don't want to say shame, but like people saying things about actually leaving porn um, than when you were in it. Is that what you say? That's true. I I think that mainstream it's very difficult for performers to, you know, find work after. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is because people assume that the only jobs available are corporate. Mm. Um, but I think that if you can figure out what your thing is, and figure out how to make your thing a business, then not only are you working for yourself, but you're pretty much freelance. So the likelihood of you being fired because somebody came into a store and said, oh, Kelly Shabari, I totally used to jerk off to you, right? Next thing you know, corporate calls you. (laughs) Next thing you know, corporate calls you and said, hey, we got to let you go. We've talked to other adult entertainers um, and they have often said, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do after. Maybe they're in the after and like the only thing they've been able to do now is to continue porn or to continue doing like. Oh, absolutely. Adult entertainment convention. So what can you do afterwards? How can you find something after porn? You know, it's so funny. So much of 
what happens, especially on the internet, is sales or marketing or advertising. It's really just one of those three things, mm-hmm. right? Even if they're giving you news, it's there's ad dollars. Of course. Right? That's how television, origi- television originated to sell audiences to advertisers. Right. Up until a few years, uh, up until, I don't know, what, 10 years ago, we didn't have webcams. We didn't have, you know, you if you were a performer and wanted to work in the porn industry, you had to come to L.A., New York, Miami, right? You had to try to find an Asian. If you couldn't, then you kind of like pounded the pavement on your own, sent your, your photos out to places that might hire you. Now you can do it from your own bedroom. Yeah. And you don't even have to be in any of those three cities. And you you become your own boss, right? But the difference is back then you had an agent, you had a, st- a studio, you had producers, directors telling you what to do, right? You were in a studio con- like system. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have any say, right? Now you do. And the thing is now you have all these girls who are running their own companies. They don't realize it, but they're running their own companies. Um, I don't know how many of them are actually paying taxes, but you know, this is the time when you're still making money. This is the time to figure out what you like doing. And maybe what you like doing is promoting your, your, your shows. Maybe what you like doing is talking about uh, a DVD that you're in and selling it and doing it as a sign thing. I mean, these girls do sales and marketing every single day on Twitter and, fa- mm-hmm. and, and Facebook unless they're bumped off. So they're learning skills to do sales they're and learning marketing s- afterwards. Absolutely. Pub- pub- publicity. Yeah, basically. absolutely. And that's where I transitioned into. So you're, so you're, so you, do you have consider, do you consider yourself having left porn? Um, no, I think that a lot of it for me was the past year or so has been extremely transitional mm-hmm. because of the cancer. And then like, you know, my dad passing away. So just to clarify mm-hmm. for our listeners. So you, ha- you found out you had thyroid cancer and your father passed away in the same week. In the same week, <laughs> yeah. That's, and I don't mean it to make it sound like a, a huge sob story, but but it kind of is. But it's but it's more week. of a shocking thing mm-hmm. um, than a oh please feel sorry for me thing. It was it's, a catalyst for a transition. Yeah, exactly. And um, because I had to take the time to go through the surgery and go through all the medication dosage issues afterwards, and um, and then more than that, you know, had to deal with like my father's funeral and like mm. all the paperwork. And I'm the only person that's handling, you know, uh, the will. So that's all on me. Yeah. So I had to put like. Takes a lot of energy. Well, yeah, yeah. But more than that, from a logical place, I had to put like my frivolous personal ego stuff aside, which is like, oh, let me look pretty on a camera and have sex with people. I have no choice but to put that aside and take care of what's more important. You know, I can always have sex. <laughs> Good. Yes. You know, and 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 because of the thyroid surgery, I've been continuously losing weight since then. And so I don't know where my body's going to end up. And so I kind of almost need to give it a little bit more time to figure out where my body kind of levels off and then figure out what oh, category I fit in. That is so interesting. Yeah. How does it feel to have kind of a piece of what has been your big identifying thing sh- kind of shrinking? Um. I think that for me, you know, I, you know, I've I've always kind of approached. Well, I think a couple of years into the industry, I my approach changed as to like why I was there. I never meant to be a porn performer. You know, if I if I thought I was, I would have gotten in when I was nineteen. Um, 
this was something more like a bucket list thing. I wanted to check it off, so I had really cool stories when I was older. But uh-huh. you did a great job once you got in to there. Do, Such a good job. To go with all the other cool stories. Like, you know, I've done Hollywood movies. You know, I've done, right. I've toured with bands. I mean, right. I have a really fun list of stories I can share with, you know. Yeah, when you come friend, back, we'll hear all the other Friends, ones. kids. But um, in terms of performing, my... I think my approach changed I probably like 2009 because I was like, okay, well, I'm done just doing just the regular porn thing. What What's more interesting? So then I started doing social media and PR. But in terms of like performing projects, it became things like a sex ed movie. It became things like Penthouse. It, it really mm. literally was me looking at a at the industry and going, okay, what is everybody else doing that hasn't been done for BBW yet? And there's maybe one or two other things that I kind of want to do. Um, not as a performer, but more as a producer director. Can we? What? Yeah. Or is it secret? It's a top it's a... secret. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's gonna be... Okay, when it happens, you have to tell us. And then we'll oh, absolutely. Back to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh my god! Because we definitely want to watch it, and we yeah. want all of our listeners. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to watch. To watch, watch and or I'm see really it. excited to watch Guide to Wicked Sex. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's it's a very different kind of sex ed movie because what can people expect from it? Yeah, most sex ed movies have a tendency to mostly be about positions and they'll interview couples and they'll do positions and have like an awesome sexy time. Mm-hmm. With plus size, it w- we had to make sure that we weren't just talking about positions because every large body is different. Um, and we didn't just we didn't want the movie to be like, oh, these are the positions you do if you're fat. Mm-hmm. Because that sucks. I mean, that's that's like telling people because your body is a certain way, you can't do all these other things. And I know plenty of plus size people who do amazing, flexible things like yoga and pole dancing, mm-hmm. like things I can't do. Absolutely. You know, and um, and so what was more important to me would, you know, do the positions because obviously it's a sex ed movie. But we wanted to make sure that we kept in like things like communication, trigger words, um, body confidence exercises. Ooh, what's a body confidence exercise? So... Um, yeah, for our listeners. Let's do one. The quickest one, then the most easiest one, because you could do this several times a day, is you find a bo- part of your body that you absolutely hate. I don't have any. Just kidding. <laughs> and you love up on it. Right? Like, in my case, I have, like, you know, I have a tummy roll. Uh-huh. So, I'm, like... I, I, so, physically, I, I make sure up on that part. I, I lotion it up. <laughs> and oh. I'm, like, hey, love you, tummy. Give you it know. attention. That's so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... It, it doesn't work for everybody, but it seems to work for a lot that's of people. Okay. We do. I a have similar... one labia oh, that's ahead. bigger than the other. Most of them. Most I have people one inner do. Labia. Yeah, looks like a little tongue sticking out. See, but and I, I love you, bigger labia, Menorah. Right. I love you. <laughs> but it's what makes people interesting because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing about like things like extreme plastic surgery is that you're trying to look like something that you're probably a much more interesting person than what you think you look like to the world. Part of what's so exciting when you get naked with someone new for the first time is like, what's different about this body? I look for scars. I always look for scars. I'm like, what do you have? Oh, yes, because scars always have a story. And you need to have something for that, you know, because I like talking and hanging out in bed after. It's not just sex, right? Yeah. Um, To me, intimacy also involves conversation. Yeah. And so scars are a great way to break the ice for that kind of stuff. We do a similar body positive thing with clients that I work with in therapy. And it's sort of like a meditation mindfulness thing. But you have that person picture that part of their body that we do this a lot of times for people who have maybe lost a part of their body Mm -hmm. with breast cancer or just something that's gone away or isn't functioning anymore. But sort of writing a love letter to everything that body has done for you. Oh, yeah. It's like women like, uh, you know, pregnant women who had kids, but then have 
stretch marks, but they're like, oh, tiger stripes. Yeah, you know, yeah. but thinking you like what had did this baby? Yeah, what right? did this Isn't part of my body that you do? Did that? Yeah, how exactly. amazing is that? I love that you created another human being and then you pushed it out your vag. Oh my god! But then and <laughs> Which then is a feat of strength, and then you were able to figure out in your body, right? Was able to figure out how to get it back to being tight so that a guy won't be like, oh, loose. So then to get more babies and do <laughs> it all over exactly. again. Exactly. Oh my god, the human body is, is amazing. It really is. It's yeah. so incredible. It's so incredible, you know. But but for the you know, I've got other things on my plate that yeah. Are I want to talk about the Mensa from, stuff really yeah, quickly. Yeah, they're not just so, the performing things. Yeah. So. so you are the coordinator for the adult track. We only have a few more minutes yes. left, but I really want to talk about you're the coordinator of the adult track at Mensa. Yes. So, so tell us about that. Uh, every year, Mensa has an annual gathering, which is a big international convention it's in a different city every year, and last year was in San Diego. So we said it a little bit at the beginning, but for people who don't know what Mensa is, can you tell us a little bit about what, what that is? Uh, Mensa is, you know, the easiest description is they're the high IQ society. But uh, IQ. IQ. Uh And so they reached out to me last year. I guess they read a bunch of interviews and they're like, hey, would you like to come down and do a presentation? And I was like, eh. You about know, what? Anything. The thing wow. about Mensa's is Mensa's in general, are just curious. their only requirement is the IQ. So you would have a scientist and a porn person and a mechanic and you'd have like a doctor, but then you would also have like a farmer. Right. Sounds like sluts and scholars should go to the next Mensa. Convention. You should. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so last year was in San Diego. And so they invited me to speak. And I said, you know, instead of speaking, why don't I coordinate? And they were like, what? Really? You want to do that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So they were like, done. <laughs> so I turned, you know, a speaking opportunity into a, a way for me to get uh, four presentations a year. Wow. And so last year we did a state of the industry and we talked about VR and we also had um, uh, porn parents, like retired pe- people who had been in porn, but and had are gotten now parents huh? and are now parents and are now parents with kids who also now have parents and how that's affected their sex and relationships. Ah. So that went great. And so they were like, oh, can you now just do that again? And so this year is going to be in Hollywood, Florida, which is near ah. Fort Lauderdale. And we're doing um, LGBT uh like health policy and talking about prep and we're talking about BDSM and open relationships. And oh my God. I'm so glad you're we bringing this to, to the this. high IQ community. <laughs> right. I know. Because I feel like it is also a stereotype for a lot of people who have high IQs that they are, I don't know, not good socially mm-hmm. or maybe don't have a oh, yeah, whatever we're, in their sex of, life. So I'm glad the two are coming together. Yeah. We're a bunch of socially awkward people who are who, who also like to are curious. Who yeah. just like really want to talk about sex. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like so that's everyone. what I'm doing. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Oh my now. gosh. When is the convention? Uh, it's always 4th of July weekend. So this Ooh. year is the 6th to the 10th. Oh my gosh. So exciting. Yeah. I don't know if we can get our IQ test done in time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to find out. I'm gonna well, find, and then what's the IQ qualification? Uh, gosh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to look that up. I think it's one. 40? Oh, I'm fine. I'm in. Yeah. But like, and then we, <laughs> the annual kidding. gathering every year has a really nice keynote speaker. Last year was Will Wheaton, oh. whose son is a Mensa, but he is not. Oh. And he talked about that. Um, and then this year we have Pendulette. Cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then one of our other presentations is Sex After Trauma. So it's, oh. yeah. So for me, I'm not a sex educator. I like coordinating things. I like pushing people that I think know what they're talking about out there. And this gives me that opportunity. So I'm happy with that. We could talk to you for hours and we would love to have you back. Um, but we do have to finish up in a few minutes. So if people want to follow you or check out the work that you're doing, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? 
So I'm extremely accessible. I talk to all my fans. Um, Twitter is Kelly Shabari. Facebook is Kelly Shabari. Instagram is Kelly Shabari. Shabari is S-H-I-B-A-R-I, like Japanese robot. Yes, and it's Kelly with a Y. Hmm. I actually do get a lot of Kelly like e- messages that say Kelly with an I. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> huh. And then every year people send me, I don't know if you guys... You guys know the show Cheers? Of yeah. course. So I have a, my friend's I have a dad bar actually stool did from, that from show. The bar. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, so, do you want it? I'm probably getting rid of it. Maybe. <laughs> um, so Woody Harrelson had a song for his girlfriend at the time called Kelly that he was singing for his birth- her birthday, which is basically Kelly, 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 Kelly. And people send me that every year for my birthday. Wow. Really? <laughs> well, well, Kelly, 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 Kelly. We're so happy that you joined us Thank here you. on Sluts and Scholars today. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this, make sure to subscribe and review so we can keep bringing you more of this amazing stuff. Uh, also, follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars and on Twitter, just Sluts Scholars because we ran out of space. Um, and again, I'm Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And we'll see you next week.